which the scriptures uh, tell us of. And as we see what, what God is going to do here, we, we kind of covered a bunch of this last week, uh, and we'll, we'll hopefully finish this part of it up and hopefully do uh, 18 through 22 next week and kind of uh, fill, fill in some of that to finish that off. But we'll see how far we get. Uh, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make it himself of twain one new man, so making peace. So it says here, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and them that were nigh, and to them that were nigh. Father, Lord, please bless us as we look at this tonight. Thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One man said it this way. He said, This present dispensation of grace in which he makes known the mystery which in other ages was not made known, that the Gentiles, once without Christ and without God, should be fellow heirs and of the same body. That is the now in which the surpassing riches of God's grace are made known. Now after Israel rejected the King and the Savior, now when He is upon the Father's throne, now when the Holy Spirit is on the earth to do His appointed work, now during the present age God makes fully known what He had planned before the foundation of the world. That was not released to anybody, that was not given to anybody but Paul, the revelation of that mystery. He is producing His master work, taking the material from Israel, what did he do? Well, the, the first church was predominantly Jewish. Of course it was. That's where Jesus preached first. <laughs> of course it was. He was preaching to the sheep of the lost house, the lost sheep to the house of Israel, right? That's where he was preaching to. So they would be Jewish and they would be saved. And then they would go off and they would, they would uh, preach the gospel around the world. At least the apostle Paul would and his men afterwards. But God makes fully known what he had planned before the foundation of the world. He is producing his master work, taking the material from Israel and reaching out with his mighty power after the Gentiles to put them into one body. The poor, miserable, naked beggar upon the dunghill, the Gentile, is taken up to sit among princes and inherit the throne of glory. That's what God did. This new man is the church, and Christ is the head of that new man. Grace flowing from the cross of Christ, where peace was made in the blood, takes up Jews and Gentiles and makes them one. When our Lord prayed in his high priestly prayer that they may all be one as we are one, he must have thought of this great truth, now fully revealed in this epistle by the Spirit of God. That's the church is one, right? Uh, Jew and, made up of Jew and Gentile. For to make of himself in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity, That's the, that you were enemies, that there was, there was aught between us and the Jews and, and, the, and us and the Lord. And the enemy, enmity was slain in Christ, it is slain. To make it himself, to make one church out of both people, which should be considered the body of which Jesus Christ is the head. Thus he makes one new man, one new church. That's, that was unheard of. Because the Jews had their temple worship. They had their temple. They had their, their rituals. They had their sacrifices. They had everything. And the Gentiles were not a part of that. 
This is the most amazing thing that Christ would take Jew and Gentile alike and put them on the same level playing field. All lost, all under sin, and all in need of redemption. He leveled the playing field, didn't he? Then he saved them and he changed them and he made them new creatures. And he said, I have a body, a local New Testament body for you to dwell in together, for you to serve me in together. This is your new life. That's why the Jews turned their back on everything. When, when they turned away from the temple, they were unheard of. Pastor Jeffrey, and talking with him, uh, he's Jewish. And he told me when he got saved, his grandmother had nothing to do with him. He's dead to them. At his father's funeral, he told me yesterday at his father's funeral, which his father was saved, by the way. He said he preached at his father's funeral and his cousin came out and looked at him and said, and said, your mother did not need to hear that she was going to hell for what she believed because they're Jewish, right? But he said his father, before he died, his father told him, one of the reasons I got saved is because you looked at me and told me that what I believed was going to send me to hell. His father got saved. His mother got saved. You're going to hear his testimony. We're going, to, we're going to record it when we're there. There's a Jewish aspect of things that I want to cover when I'm there too. And, and we're, going to, we're going to talk about that too. It's pretty exciting actually what happened there. It's amazing. Amen. So this one new body. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse number 14. This is that great change that is taking place here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. See, speaking to the, there's one portion of this scripture that speaks to the church and also to the person himself, right? That the child of God who is sealed under the day of redemption and has the Holy Ghost in them. But, in the, but he calls the church the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That's the new man, right? That's the temple. That's, or that's the new temple, right? Made without hands. That's the Lord's church. It's his body. That's what he's talking about when he calls him the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's, that's us. That other temple was destroyed. The veil was rent in 70 AD. Jesus said, you see this? Not one stone will be left upon another. It's all going to come down. And what happens? 70 AD. Titus rolls into the city. Takes him 30 days. Within 30 days' time, he burns all of Jerusalem down. He burns the temple down. He destroys the three different... There were three fortified places to get into that temple. He knocked down all three doors, and he finally got to the last one. He burnt the whole thing down. He said it was an accident. He said that, that he really didn't mean to burn it down. Like Nero didn't mean to burn Rome as, as, Rome fiddle, as he burned while, or fiddled while Rome burned, right? He didn't mean to do that either, right? Yeah, he burnt the whole temple down. And what he didn't mean to do, God meant to do. Because God said it was going down. All of it was. And then he enslaved those men, and he took all of those men, and he took them, he took them two places. The first place he took them was to, was to Rome to build the Colosseum. The second place he did, he told the other ones to the Egyptians. 
and they were sold back to the Egyptians as slaves in 70 AD after the temple was destroyed. So they had 70,000 Jewish slaves that were sold to build the Colosseum. The other Jews were sold off to Egypt. And you know what they were sold for? Remember what Jesus was sold for? 30, was it 30 pieces of silver? You, you could get, for a Jew at that time, you could get probably 30 Jews for that. For that 30 pieces of silver after they did what they did. God told him it was going to happen. That's why he looked at those women. He said, weep not for me, you daughters of Jerusalem, but weep for your, yourselves and your own children. Right? That's what happened to them. Anyway, so we are part of the, the one new man for to make it himself twain one new man. Here, the new man is not the individual believer. It is the complete church in Christ, which at this present time is, the only, complete, is only complete in God's eyes. It is a new man. See, we have this. This is a local New Testament church. There will be one general assembly in heaven one day, all gathered together. Remember, God sees everything from above. He sees it all as one, right? Because God sees it through eternity. The new man in Christ and those who are in him by salvation, those that are saved by grace. The first Adam fell from the glory of God. The new man, Christ, is the last Adam, who is the glory of God. The new man is everything God intended man to be. He is the true image of God. Righteous, holy, just, compassionate, loving, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, truthful. The redeemed are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. That is you in Romans 8, 28. You, are, when you, you get saved by the grace of God, you are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. You were saved to be like Christ. Predestined to be conformed to his image. Amen. In this present life, the believer is to grow in the image of Christ. Second, Second Corinthians talks about that. In the resurrection, he will be like Christ. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. But we are part of the one body. Right now you are right here, right? In heaven, there's going to be a general assembly all together. One big church. Jesus, the, the head of it. Just like he is now the head of this church. The pastor's not the head of the church. Jesus is, right? Jesus is the head. We're the body. Amen. We are part of, we're not Roman Catholics. We believe what the Bible says. We're part of that one body that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy thereby. The church is a spiritual body. The whole church, which exists only in God's eyes at this time, has not yet been congregated fully. But one day we will be. Now we're seated in heavenly places now. Why do you think we're counted as that? Every blood-bought saint of God is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Each individual congregation on earth is one body. Amen. You are the body of Christ and members in particular. That's us. This is a body, complete and whole. As God sees every church as one body. Right? Because it's His body, His institution. It's His when it speaks of the church like that. Not a universal, invisible body, but a visible body. And it'll all be assembled in heaven one day. All of us will be there one day. Lord willing, those that are saved by grace, that is, will be there in that one body. And right now, this is the true New Testament assembly pre presents the reality of, it, of that spiritual body. That's why we have a regenerate church membership as best as we can, that people are saved, they're born again, 
and we examine their testimony to see if they be in the faith, right? We see if they're saved. We look at their testimony. We, we, we watch them. We look at their testimony to see if they're saved and if they have a desire to follow the Lord and be baptized and, and, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. If they don't have that desire, then we don't baptize them because they don't want to follow the Lord. We don't, we don't do that. We're very careful about that, right? And we don't have a halfway covenant where lost people come in and they're just part of the church or children grow up and they're just part of the church. No, you're not part of, the, you're not part of this church unless you've been saved and baptized. Amen. You might attend the church. You might, you, you attend it with your family, but, but unless you're saved and baptized, you're not a part of it. You can't be. Why? You've never, you're, because we're all baptized into one body. That's why, that's what the scriptures say, right? And you, you come by salvation, by grace through faith, and then you come to present yourself for baptism, right? To be a part of that body specifically. That's why we preach and teach a regenerate church body, right? Saved, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, right? Sealed under the day of redemption. That's important to understand. You know, we, we try not to have a mixed multitude of saved and unsaved, but present the reality of that spiritual body by every member functioning to build up the body. Ephesians 4 talks about that. Right, that's the purpose. Go, turn there. We'll look at verse 11 through 16. This is, a, this is a literal physical body of believers. Obviously, we're brought together by the Spirit, right? But 11 through 16... And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. What does that word perfecting mean? So they all walk around sinless. We could only wish. <laughs> right, Brother Jacob? We could only wish we could. We'd all, we were all like that, right? We could say that. But we'd be lying if we said that. No. But for the perfecting of the saints, that's the maturity of the saints, to bring them to spiritual maturity. That, see, that's why people want to resist it, and they go like this. They, go, they just go like this. They want to get out, and they want to run. Man, they, they, you'll be like, look, can't you just let me out of here? Remember, they look at you in a meeting like that, don't they, Brother Garrick? Look at you me like that. They say, can you just let me leave in peace? Right. You just, like, they, they just shake off the yoke. They got to get out of there as quick as they can. They just want... Why? They don't want that perfection. See, that's why people get... They, 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 can't, hand, they can't handle it. They just they, they get flighty. Why? I don't want to be perfected. I want to stay an immature baby. Kick my feet, not listen to authority, and, not, and rebel against authority, and not grow up, and not be the man I'm supposed to be, or the woman you're supposed to be. Submit it unto God. You want to resist the yoke and pull away from it, and run away from it, and walk away from it. Why? Because the church is for maturity. Suffer your stinking games. It's for maturity. You don't play games with God's church. It means something. God said this is what's going to happen. It's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. What is that? Mature. So you grow up. Yeah, that's hard to do. Sure, it's not easy growing up, is it? No, you want to be a Toys R Us kid. Samuel don't understand what I'm saying. He's like, what is he talking about? Toys R Us kid. What's that mean anyway? 
Your dad will sing it to you later. He's got all kinds of weird jingles in his head. Don't worry, Sam. Yeah, right? Didn't want to grow up, right? I want to, I want to be a kid still. Well, a lot of people want to be, so they don't want to listen to authority. They don't want to listen to instruction. They don't want the guidance. They don't, you get perfected in the church. How? Not just by the preaching and teaching, by all the gifts in the body, by all the things that are there. They mature, and the, and the necessity to be around one another. And then it's like, oh, man, you know, I got to learn to love people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And each other. You don't get to make excuses. You just have to do right. But it's easier to go hide out and act like you're the best Christian you know. Because if you go hide in your mom's basement somewhere, then you're the best Christian you know. Right? Right? Because you don't, you don't have to be tried and tested. You don't have to love anybody like that. That's the way it works. I'm telling you, that's why they all run. That's just like kids when they don't want to do right. What do they do? They run away from you. I'm going to run away. I'm going to run away. Where are you going? You ain't got no money. You're going to starve out there or freeze. Where are you going, boy? Get back here. Right? You ain't going to run away nowhere. Where are you going to go? Right? That's the way it is. You can't run. You can't hide. You've got to face it. For the perfecting of the saints, right? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not measuring ourselves among ourselves, but it's Christ being the measurer. You know, the, 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 the measuring stick is what we measure ourselves up to as Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's the work of God. Christ has made the new man in the one body by the cross. Now, I want, I want to clarify something to you that you not be confused. You should not be confused. He said Jew and Gentile in Christ is one. He did not speak of the nation of Israel and the church being the same entity and one in Christ. He's not speaking of the nation of Israel. God is not dealing with nations right now. God is dealing with his churches and he's dealing with individual believers. If, some, if, if somebody tells you that they know of a Christian nation, they're nuts. The only Christian nation I know is the one that you're sitting in right now. If you want to talk about peoples, right? If you want to talk about people, right? It's not, and I'm not, I'm not preaching some weird kingdom thing. I'm just, what I'm telling you is, is that there's no such thing as a national, a nation with a government and all that, that's a Christian one. There's no, you don't see that anywhere in the New Testament at all. You don't see that being taught. And he's not teaching you that the church, is, the, 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 the church is the nation of Israel. He's not teaching you that. That's why he's very specific when he talks about Jews and Israel. He's specific when he says that, right? For to make it himself of twain one new man, so making peace, which, is explained, which explains what is meant before by making both one. And it expresses as one the strictness of the union between the Jew and the Gentile, they became as one man and points at the manner in which they became so strictly united. That is by being made new men or new creatures, by having a work of grace upon their souls and so baptized into one body and made to drink of one and the same spirit, the foundation of which union is in himself. For Jew and Gentile, 
male and female, bond and free, are all one in Christ Jesus. He is the cornerstone in which they all meet and the head to which the whole body is joined. The gospel goes forth to individual Jews now. It is not being offered to the nation of Israel. It's not, Christ is not, the king is not coming back and offering the gospel to the nation of Israel. That's not happening now. Why? God's not dealing with nations. He's dealing with people. Because he calls people out of the world into his body. You understand that, right? His body. He's not calling them into a nation. America ne was never and never will be a Christian nation. That is a lie. It is a deceit. Right? There's never been a Christian nation. Israel was not a Christian nation. They were a Hebrew Jewish Israelite nation under the Abrahamic covenant and under the uh, Mosaic covenant and a number of other ones. But anyway, those two specific ones. All right? So I'm, I'm going to touch on some of that tonight because I think it's important to have your theology straight when you're talking about this one body that you understand what's going on. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. The gospel goes forth to individual Jews now, Gentiles, all alike. It's not being offered to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is blinded. The Bible says that. It's bl they're blind. They were blinded. They were blinded. Judicially blinded. You get that, right? It's not like, well, we just don't prefer Christ. We, we, no, no. It says that they were judicially blinded. Right? God did that to them because of their own sin. Romans chapter 11, verse number 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, so that you're not big-headed and think that you're better, right? Well, man, I got saved, and them stinking Jews are heathens now. Lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. That has not happened yet. It will happen. It will happen. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. There is a difference in a Hebrew Jewish person and the entire nation of Israel. He does not make the nation of Israel and the church one body. He says Jew and Gentile alike are one body that are saved by grace in Christ. He's not saying the nation of Israel is, is going to turn into uh, the body of Christ. That's not what he said. It's not anywhere near that. Because it's not a national salvation that is being preached. He says Jew and Gentile alike are what? For to make in himself twain one new body, so making Jew, or so making peace, excuse me, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy thereby. The nation of Israel and its leaders rejected the gospel. The kingdom was offered to them. That's, that's Bible. I'm not preaching Darbyism or anything. I'm preaching Bible to you. That's just plain Bible. That's what happened. They rejected it. The leaders rejected it. In order for there to have been a national revival or salvation for Israel, for them, it would be for them, their leaders to have turned to the king of kings. And what did they do? They murdered him. They put him to death. And God knew what they were going to do. God wasn't surprised by that. That's right. But listen, here's uh, the nation of Israel and its leaders rejected the gospel and the kingdom that was offered them. But individual Jew and Gentile alike can be saved. See, today God is drawing men out of all nations to save them. 
He has been since he since it was preached at Pentecost. He is he is he has drawn men out of all nations. He hasn't drawn nations to them. Nations will be dealt with in the future. They are going to be dealt with again. The Bible is very clear about that. The Old Testament prophecies concerning nations, the New Testament prophecies in Revelation concerning the nations of the world that will gather themselves together against the Lord and His Christ, uh, or uh, the Father and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll gather themselves together and they will fight. They will war. The nations will come together. Satan will deceive what? The people? The nations. See the difference in the focus? The focus does change. You, you don't have to be a hyper-dispensationalist to see that. It's very plain. But individual Jew and Gentile alike can be saved, and that's what God is doing today. Paul didn't, Paul, everywhere he went, he always tried to preach the gospel to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, right, and then to the Greek. He always tried to do that. He always tried to reason with the Jews. Why? Because he had such a burden for the Jews. And he didn't really have a total, a lot of success with the Jews. Why? Because God sent him to the Gentiles. That's why. And the Jews always tried to kill him, pretty much. Like, every, everywhere he went, they, they tried to kill him. He wrote about it in Corinthians, like all over the place. He said, yeah, they tried to kill me, tried to stone me, tried to throw me in the water, tried to drown me, right? They, they did a lot of things to him. Why? Because they hated him. Because he said that he talked about that one body. He talked about that Jew and Gentile alike being in one body. They just couldn't handle that. But we say things like, and you hear things like, God save America rally. You know, you ever heard that before? Like, you, you've seen some of those, right? I remember back in that, when I first got saved, before I was saved, actually, I heard about the God Save America rallies. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, whatever. I mean, I didn't know anything about, understand theology. Like, and I get the point of what they're trying to do. But the point is, is that God's not going to save America. God's going to save people in America. You understand that, right? God's going to save people in America. He's going to say, and then they're going to start churches. And that's the Great Commission. He said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. People, right? He's preaching the gospel to people, not nations in that sense. We're to go to all the nations. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. But you take Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, and you balance that and you, and, and with, with uh, Mark chapter, the last uh, chapter of Mark, chapter 16, I believe it is, and you balance it with that. You don't, you don't just take the interpretation and say, well, that's what that means, so then nations are going to be saved. No, nations aren't going to be saved. People are going to be saved in nations. Because every time those apostles went to a nation, every time them preachers went to a nation, what happened? The leaders of those nations killed them. But people got saved. But the nations never turned Christian. The first time you hear of a Christian nation is going to be constant time. Right? He's going to start a Christian nation nation, an empire, a Christian empire, which he really didn't. You know, they just had, they just had something released, and uh, I just read it yesterday, last night I think it was, that they found this uh, Constantine's letter. They found a, a letter from him that was written uh, concerning this cult of Caesar, basically. It's a, it's a cult after their own. They worship their own ancestors, basically. And Constantine, he, he had his, he had his, um, he put a stamp of approval on that cult. This is during that same time. And they're like, see, we know that there was a lot of Christians that accepted those cults. I'm like, I'm like, uh, no, there wasn't. There might have been some Catholics. 
right, that accepted that. But there weren't very many Christians that accepted that. Christians would reject worshiping an emperor. In fact, they would die for it. They would say, nope, you're not God. And he would say, okay, you're going to die. Even Constantine killed people. I, I covered that. You go back and listen. I, he killed his own sons. He murdered his own sons, put him to death. He was a brutal murderer. Yeah, he stopped the wholesale slaughter of most Christians that were taking place, but he only did it to draw them in. That's what he did. And it worked. And he set up the Antichrist kingdom there that you know is Roman Catholicism today. That's Constantine would have been the, the he, he set that in motion. That's the Christian nation. Careful about those Christian nations like that. Somebody's going to die. It does not say that the nation that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, right? There is a time where the Bible says where all Israel shall be saved. I do believe that. I do believe that. It'll be by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Still be by the gospel. Still be by grace. Still be Jesus. They have to accept their Messiah. They will have to turn to their Messiah and they will have to receive him. Amen. Is Christ going to save America as a nation? No. He never was going to save America as a nation. He's not going to pick America up as a nation and remove them to some promised land. <laughs> okay? This is not the shining city on the hill. <laughs> All right? This is not the Augustine city of God. Right? It's not. That's it's a fairy tale. It's a, well, actually, it's Roman Catholicism is all it is, and it, and it turns into people dying. That's what it does. Listen, here's the thing I want you to understand, and then I'm going to move on from this a little bit, but the Abrahamic covenant was a one-sided covenant. He didn't tell Abraham, if you do everything right, and if you do this, that land is going to be yours. No. He didn't say that. He did say that in the Mosaic Covenant, though. What did he say in the Mosaic Covenant? He said, if you, if you live wrong like this, I'm, I'm going to send you off of this land. But in the Abrahamic Covenant, it promised them the land because God promised it to them, because who God is. Right? He said to Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. You read it. There is no condition on that covenant, which means what? doesn't mean that they would never be removed from the land because the Mosaic Covenant said they would be removed from the land. It says that that land still belongs to them. So what does that mean? It means that it's irrevocable. That's why Gaza belongs to the, to the nation of Israel. It, it belongs to them right now. Mm -hmm. Like right now. Like that whole thing. They're clearing it out. I know, they're going to blow that temple up over there. So they're clearing that out. So they can, they got to make some room and some space so they can... They're already talking about restarting Jewish settlements in Gaza right now. Why? Well, they, they kind of need that all there so they can knock that rock of the dome off and blow that thing up. They are going to blow that thing up. I'm telling you, they're going to blow that thing up. They're going to blow it. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna turn on the news someday and it's going to be like, boom! Why? It, because they want, you know what that rock of the dome says on it? It says that for the Muslim Brotherhood to remember that Allah has no son, that God has no son. It says it right on there. And what are the, it's Antichrist. And what do the Jews, what do the Jews say? The same thing. They say that God, that Jesus Christ is not the son of God, right? He was just some prophet. He's some crazy guy. Look what Ben Shapiro says about him in his helium sucking voice that he, when he talks. Most annoying voice in the whole world. Sounds like a little girl talking. Oh. He sounds like he went. 
Let it be, go back to helium. And he just sucked it up, and, and that's how he talks to you. <laughs> Seriously, listen to him. I dare you. Go home and listen to him on the way home. You'll, you'll be laughing when you think about the comment I just said. It's like he really does sound like he sucked a bag of helium. Like the whole thing. Constant. Never goes away. Oh, I don't know how anybody listens to that. It's as bad as listening to R.C. Sproul. Anyway, um, not quite. Maybe not quite. But pretty close. Anyway, so the, the, Mosaic, the Abrahamic covenant was a one-sided covenant. It was not a conditional covenant. It was promised that land. That's why all eyes are going to Israel. You think it's an accident? You think, you think people from this world are making that all happen? Like, they're just, they're just making it. Like, yes, they're part of it, and they're being used by the devil. And God is using it, right, for his glory. But do you think that's happening? Do, do you understand the reason that's happening is because all eyes have to be on the nation of Israel. As time goes on, all eyes will be on there. I'm not spiritualizing the text. I'm being literal. I absolutely 100% believe that because it's in the scriptures that they are going to get a hook in their nose and they are going down to Jerusalem. They're going down to Israel. They are going to build that temple again. They are building a temple again. They've been talking about it forever and they are going to build Solomon's temple again. And the Masonic order is going to help them and all those other people are going to help them. They're, they're, they're a part of that building. It's not going to, God's, you say, is God in that? Well, yeah, to let it happen. <laughs> but he's not in it like that's where he wants him to worship. Why? He's not dealing with nations. He's dealing with people. And by the way, Israel is not under the law of God right now. That nation, people say, well, they're a bunch of, they're a bunch of wicked heathen. Well, of course they are. They're not under the law of God. God's, they're not under the law of God. They're put away. They're not under the law of God right now. They're not. And God doesn't even tell you to be concerned with that. What are you supposed to do? Go preach the gospel. I'm going to help them build the temple. What do you want to do that for? <laughs> What's the matter with you? What are you, John Hagee? What's wrong with you? <laughs> right? Why would you want to do that? Go preach the gospel to them and start a church right over there, right? Be careful, though. <laughs> but, but, I'll probably kill you, but... but uh, but that's what you're to do, right? We're not to be concerned with nations in that sense. We're to preach the gospel to those nations. We're not to be concerned with nation building. God's not doing that right now. He's not, he said, it's the church. The focus is the Lord's church right now. That's the focus throughout this whole world right now. In God's eyes is the church. That's, 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 if you want to see a nation turned around, if you want to see God do something in a nation, then plant churches in that nation, biblical churches, because that's what God's commanded you to do. He hasn't commanded you to go defend every move that Israel does or defend their government. Why would I defend their government? Their government's antichrist. I don't need to defend their government. I just tell you, you better leave them alone and not mess with them. Just leave them alone. Everybody else that messes with them gets in trouble. Just leave them alone. Right? That's just, why is that important? Because see, people are confused. They're looking at the wrong things. And when you look at the wrong, and you don't understand what the body of Christ is, you can't discern these things. They're not able to discern what the truth is. That's why they're all saying, well, we're really the nation of Israel. And then you got all these, you got black Hebrew Israelites coming up there like, we're the nation of Israel. Sure you are, bud. Sure you are. What color was Jesus? I don't know, he was Jewish. That's what he was. <laughs> like that guy told me. He had kinky hair like me. Remember <laughs> that guy on the street? He's walking around with no shirt on. He's from black. He goes, you here, you here at 6 o'clock, you're going to get it. Huh? He had hair like wool. He was white. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He goes, it is white. 
Jacob's not going to get us killed. <laughs> Call, then he calls the Antifa guy Candy Boy. He looks over, he looks over the candy, candy Boy. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, Aaron gets faced. <laughs> Jacob looks at the black guy, black guy from BLM. White like wool. <laughs> looks over at that Antifa guy. <laughs> candy Boy. It's like, all right, Jacob, we're getting you out of here now. Time to go. That was a while ago, wasn't it? Was that like two years ago? Or? Was it? You've matured so much since then. <laughs> you have. You're even getting gray hair, I think. You're losing it? Oh, you caught that, huh? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but... Uh, this is a day and age of grace, not the Mosaic Law of Mount Sinai, right? That's not, that's not hyper-dispensationalism, it's just Bible. I'm not trying to save nations, I'm trying to preach the gospel, obey the Great Commission, and start churches all over the world. That's what God has called us to do. That's the timing that we, that's the place and the time that we live in. God put Israel away. The leaders of Israel and the nation, they're not under the law of Moses, so people can see that and they, they don't understand that. If you read, turn to Romans chapter 11. We're going to read. I, I just want to get you in the right mindset of that because this is what Paul is explaining here. He says, I say then, if God cast away his people, God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Why is that important? Because Paul's saying, God saved me and I'm, an, I'm a Jew. I'm an Israelite. But he's dealing with the body of Christ. He's not dealing with the nation of Israel. They, they'd rejected the gospel. In Acts chapter 28, they give a, basically Paul, they give a salute to Paul and they're done with him, right? And Paul salutes them too and says, okay, I'm out of here. I go to the, from here on out, I go to the Gentiles. That was his final warning to them that he's like, okay, you know, because I mean, it wasn't very lo much longer. When did Paul die? Was it 60 AD that Paul died? 63 maybe? Something like that? Seven years later, what happened? Titus comes into Jerusalem, burns the whole thing down. Hmm. Men, women, and children were standing in the corridor trying to fight off the Roman soldiers when they came in and they mowed them all down, burned them all alive, a lot of them. Though, I mean, the men, women, and children tried to defend that temple, that third wall of the temple, because they were on the inner wall. So you had the first, the second. They couldn't believe they got past the first one. Then they got past it. I mean, they fought them off for 30 days. They got past the second one. Then they got, got into the third level of that, and that was the door into the... And they threw that thing into their holy of holies and burnt that curtains down and everything just burnt the whole thing down melted the floors everything just it was just rubble it was gone and they fought but those children those men women, children they, they gathered everybody from the city to fight them for that temple that's how much they, they that temple meant to them so now you can understand why seven years before that they're ready to kill paul over it that's what that temple meant to them it's kind of like what the gospel, the Bible means to you, right? That's what that's that's the way they are with that. Only they, you know, they were under a different, a different thing. For I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tri seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What ye not that the scripture, what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord. They have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, then at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. 
And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So he's saying God saved men out of Israel. He didn't save the entire nation. He saved them out of Israel. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, even unto this day. What's that? That's the blindness that he talked about. That's the blindness. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back alway. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has is come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. That's why God did it. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, which it has been, <laughs> and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnified mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. He's talking about seeing Jews saved out of that, right? For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruits be holy, first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Amen. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again, which he will do. Amen. He will do. One day he will. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is by nature, and wert graft contrary to the nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, that you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them which I shall take away their sin, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sakes. They're enemies. Concerning the gospel, the Jews are the enemies. Why did Paul say that? Well, they, they kept trying to kill him every time he preached it. So they are. They hated the gospel. And they still are today. They are enemies. But just remember, the Bible calls them the tail, not the head. There's a difference. What is this the time of? Right. It's not the time of the Jews. Some people say, well, Jews run the world. That's not what the Bible says. Oh, I, I, I watch my New World Order videos, I know. Right? So we know the Jews. Yeah, there, there are influential Jews everywhere. Just like there was during the Holocaust and those 
those Jews in the Holocaust, those high influential Jews, you know what they did? They worked for the Pope and they, they, they worked for him and they turned in their own people. Why? Because they were paid very well to do it. They were in influential places in government. Yeah, yeah, all over. Right, all over. They're paid well for what they do. But they, they're not in charge. They work for somebody. How? How could anybody have that much, much power? The seat of Satan, the Antichrist, Rome, the man of sin, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So he that sitteth in the temple of God, right? He shows himself that he is God. He says he's God and he shows himself that he is God. That's the Pope. How does he have the power to do all that? Well, do you think the Jews, do you, do you really think that the Jews have the richest, they're the richest bankers in the world? Do you really think that? They're not. The Albertini families over in Rome have more money than they do. But you don't ever hear about them. Why? Well, because the other ones are meant to fall. That's right. They're, they're the scapegoat. They are the scapegoat. That's right. They're meant to fall. They're meant to be the fall guy. Why? Because you had to produce enough Jewish hate to get a Jewish state back there. That had to happen. They, they had to, so they had to push them somewhere. So where'd they push them to? They had, they had to get them somewhere, right? So that's why the nation of Israel was started again, because they had to push them somewhere. And the British government was a part of doing that, and the German government was part of doing that, and the European, and the European nations the, uh, were a part of that, and all those groups were a part of that, and America was a part of that, a great part of that. Right? And Russia. You better believe it was, because Russia killed a bunch of their people over there. And by the way, the Bolsheviks, everybody say, well, they were the Jews. Oh, they, they were the Jesuits. And they worked, and, the, and there were Jews that worked for them. The Bolsheviks were ran by the Jesuits. All of them were ran by them. Why? Because the Pope wants that temple in Jerusalem. That's why. He's got to sit there and say he's God, the final one. He's got to sit there and say he's God. It has to happen. Why? It's right here. It has to happen. It has to happen. Right? It's not a conspiracy theory. Well, sort of is, but it's a conspiracy truth. Amen. Because it is going to happen. Right. It will happen. Because God said it's going to happen. He's going to sit right there, and they're going to build that temple, and he's going to sit in that temple, and he's going to say he's God. He's, it's the revived Latin Roman, uh, uh, Roman uh, Catholic kingdom, the revived Roman Empire. That's the seat. It has to be there. Right? So, he goes on to say here uh, that blindness in part was given to them until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. We're heading to that. We're not quite there yet, but we're... The Gentiles rule the world. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. The fathers are, the, are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why, why are they beloved for the Father's sakes? Because God promised Abraham. That's why. He promised him. That's why they're beloved. He's not talking about Christians there. He's talking about the Jews. 
He's talking about the nation of Israel. He's talking about the Hebrew Jewish Israelite people, the, the people that are descendants of Abraham, physical descendants. Of Abraham. I'm not talking about spiritually. We are. We are, we are. If we are men of faith, we are of Abraham, right? Spiritually. But there's two things that were dealt with there. They both aren't the same. I'm not looking to tap my, my blood veins and go check and see if I'm of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's right. Pretty confident I'm not. Right? Garrick might be. I don't know. But I'm not for sure. Right, Garrick? Garrick. Slight chance Garrick might have like 1.2%. <laughs> Probably is. It's got to have native. He's definitely French. I know that. I heard that. So <laughs> He's definitely got French blood in him. We won't hold that against him, though, Jacobin. No, just kidding. What's that? You're you're we you're getting it out, right? <laughs> for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. For as for as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. That's what Paul's saying. You ought not hate Jews and Israel. Why? Because of their unbelief, you were grafted in. You ought to pray for them, right? You ought to want to see them get saved and feel and have pity for them, feel sorrow for them, like Paul did. He said he had sorrow, continual sorrow in his heart. That's how we ought to look at them. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. So, Paul, uh, he, he kind of finishes up with that there in Romans chapter 11. But back to the new man, the one body. God is not, again, not dealing with nations, though the curse of sin is upon any people, but God blesses nations through their churches. That's, what you, that's why you and I have to do what we're supposed to do. If you're not careful and your theology is messed up, you'll start seeing an onward Christian soldier with an automatic rifle in your hand going to take the yep. Holy Land. Yep. Like the Crusaders did. Right. Or think that you have a, have a Christian state like Calvin did in Geneva or Zwingli did. Right? Or the Pope. And you'll think, you know, that's if your theology is wrong, you, you'll think you're justified by getting your fully automatic rifle out there and going to war. Singing onward Christian soldiers doing God's service, right? Thinking that's a, <laughs> that's a, right? Amen. That's people, you mess up theology out there, that's right. what, that's what they do, right? Yeah. Right? With a fully automatic rifle and the Christian Protestant flag in your hand. Right? Marching. You have a whole new marching to Zion. Right? Not the one we sing. You'll have a different intent to that. You don't, you don't watch that theology. It'll mess you up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Lastly, I want you to notice here the word reconcile, which is, is talked about in the text here. Uh, go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 16 and 17. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. That word reconcile is an important word. It's a salvation term. That's an important word, to be reconciled to God. 
It means to call back into union and friendship with the affections which have been alienated, to restore to friendship or favor after estrangement, to reconcile men or parties that have been at variance, to reconcile, to complete, completely to change from one condition to another, as to remove all enmity and leave no impediment, impediment to unity and peace. There's nothing impeding it. There's nothing stopping the peace now. Because God has made peace. That's what to be reconciled means. That's what Christ has done for sinners. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Romans 5, 5 uh, verse number 10. If you turn there quickly here, we'll finish up with these verses here. We've got about maybe five or six verses here or so. Romans 5, 10. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Amen. God hath reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18, having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. You that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Amen. That's a legal term. That's not an emotional term. That's not one that you think about or in your emotions or you have feelings about in that sense. Be like, oh, you know, I, I wonder if this is true or if that's true or this. No, it's, it's a legal term. It means legally the enmity has been destroyed. You are reconciled. It's like you talk about a marriage being reconciled. They were, they were away from each other. They were far off from each other. They were separated from each other. And they came back into reconciliation, right? It you are together. You are perfectly in unity there when it comes to that. And no animosity, no enmity there to change from one condition to another, to remove all enmity. God removes it all when he saves you. It's all removed. God doesn't hold anything against you. By the way, when you sin now, and you, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? That means that when you've sinned against God as a Christian and you've, and you've come to God, that sin has already been reconciled. It doesn't need to be reconciled. All sin has been reconciled in Christ. Now, your fellowship will be affected. Your heart will be, uh, you know, you, you'll be convicted. You'll feel terrible about it. You'll, you'll be convicted over your sin and you'll be, uh, you'll be, you might be tormented by it at times. But you need to focus on this great truth of what reconciliation is. That God is not holding your sin against you. It was placed upon his son. He paid for it already. Why would he bruise you when he bruised him? Why would, he, why would he hold anything against you when he placed it all on his son? Why would you not come to that understanding and meditate on those things and understand them and grasp hold of those things? That that is the relationship that we have with Christ. That is what God did. That is the power of reconciliation. That is the power of the enmity being slain. It is freedom and liberty in Christ. It is full forgiveness. God's not, you, you think back to the worst things you've ever done at, before salvation and after salvation. There's no enmity left. 
God doesn't hold your sin over you as like some bitter man or woman that can't forgive you, that can't let go of something. That's not God. That's not who he is. That may be how, who, who you are. That may be how you act. And your heart needs to be tenderized. And your heart needs to be... But that's not what God does. God's not, God doesn't remember your sin. God's not going back and saying, hmm, yeah, I remember when you did this. Yeah, that's not God doing that. That's, that's not God. God doesn't recall your sin to you to torture you with it. If you have your sin, if, if your sin comes up to you and, and, and in your remembrance, it's two things. Number one, it's you. And number two, it's Satan or his kingdom reminding you and a troubled mind to get you to recall and to think about it. But the simple thing you must remember is this. How is a man reconciled unto God? By faith in Jesus Christ. So then if he sins in the, in the future, is he still reconciled unto God? Yes. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? We don't preach a behavioral salvation. Right? We were talking about that word today, right? He talked about, uh, was that Jeff, Jeff Rose talked about that. You see, did you see that on that post? He was talking about Dake preaching a behavioral salvation. Remember that quote that he said there? He said that that was like a behavioral salvation. Like, you know, you have to have good behavior in order to be saved. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 you can't have good behavior to be saved. You can't do anything to be saved except trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can't do anything. Christ paid the sin debt. You can't. However, here's what the Bible does say, is that your behavior will change. <laughs> I bet it will change. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You were going that way. Now you're going this way. Now along the way, you're going to stumble. Along the way, you're going to fall. Along the way, you're going to fail. But you're going to get back up again because God's grace is there with you to hold you up and to keep you. But God's not imputing your sin. He's not imputing your sin again unto you. God doesn't do that. He placed it all on Christ. What's left for you? Nothing. When he said he, he destroyed the enmity, right? He abolished the enmity. He means it. It's, it's gone. It, it's gone. He, it's, it's over. It's not there any longer. When you bring it up in your mind as remembrance, that, that's not God bringing that up. And it's not healthy to, to do that. You, know, you ask for forgiveness and you move on. If you've done what's right, if you've made it right with God and man as best you can, then you move on. That's the right thing to do. The more you hold on to things, you're not, you're not, it's a lack of faith. I will tell you that that is a lack of faith. Because the, the very definition of, recon, of being reconciled is a matter of belief. It's a matter, it's a done deal, but it's a matter of your acceptance of that as a matter of faith. You believing God is a matter of faith. God hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. You that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Now you and I are ministers of that reconciliation. We are ministers 
I can go preach reconciliation to people because I have been reconciled. I can do it with that liberty of conscience and that freedom of conscience because I've been reconciled unto God. God has forgiven my sins. It doesn't matter how I feel about that. It's a stated fact. Sometimes I don't feel forgiven. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell you to feel forgiven. <laughs> I don't know where you got that from. You didn't got that from your own self. This is always, well, I don't feel forgiven. Can you show me in the Bible where, where there's a verse that says, feel forgiven? I really feel forgiven today. Right, right. It doesn't say that, does it? it, does, it there's nowhere in the Bible that says that you're to feel forgiven. You are forgiven in Christ. You see the difference? You are. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you feel about that doctrine. What do you believe about it? Well, I believe what God says. Okay, well then live like it. <laughs> Amen. Live like it then. Right? Be, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. 2 Corinthians 5.18, we'll close with this. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. See, this is how peace was preached nigh and far off, how Jesus preached it. It was through his apostles. Because through his apostles, they went to the whole known world to preach the gospel. Right? That's how it was preached to far off. By Jesus, it was preached in Israel directly. Through Christ and by Christ, it was preached to his apostles all over the world. Out there. And hath given us to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You want a word? That's the word. Right, Brother Jacob? That's the word you take out. I got a word of reconciliation. Good, then you got a Bible word. That's good. Because you take out the word of reconciliation, you take it out to them, right? To the world. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That was his prayer. That was his asking. That's what we beg men to do, to come to Jesus, right? We beg them to be reconciled to God. We have the terms of reconciliation. In Christ, the slain enmity is found in Christ alone. Look at what it says here. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. He hath made Christ. That's his incarnation, right? He hath made him to be sin for us. What is that speaking of? Him coming and placing sin upon him as that lamb that was slain from the before the foundation of the earth, right? From the, for, before the foundation of the world. His, when, when, when the high priest would lay their hands on that lamb, that was the representation of the sin of the people that they would lay on them and then they would slay that lamb. What did God do? It says it right here, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Stated fact. Very plainly understand. 
that we might be made the righteousness. He was made sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. That's what that one new body is about, to be those ministers of reconciliation, to go out and to preach the gospel. Amen. Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for your words. Lord, I pray for those that are not saved, that they'd come to know Christ as their Savior. But thank you for the plain gospel message of Jesus saves. And that he was made sin for me who knew no sin, that we might be made in the righteousness of God. By Christ Jesus, Lord, in him. Lord, help us to accept those truths and forgive us our sins, Lord. Cleanse us of our unrighteousness. Help us to walk with you in spirit and in truth. Use us all for the glory of God. Save the lost. Revive the backslider, Lord. Use us in a mighty way for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.